It's time for another episode of Mainly Modifieds, where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. Let's join the Race Chaser Media crew in the studio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Mainly Modifieds. My name is Tom Baker from Race Chaser Media. Kyle Souza going to join the podcast shortly, uh, and I'm not going to waste any time uh, in this intro. We're not going to be long-winded here because we have got an awesome feature interview this week. Uh, Kyle Suze had a chance to sit down and talk to one of my favorite drivers in any series, uh, and I think a driver who's one of the most well-spoken racers in any series, Andy Sice is with us this week on the podcast and uh again i'm just not going to take a lot of time in in this opening segment other than to say welcome to the show thank you for tuning in and listening and uh we're looking forward to presenting this podcast to you and we're going to get started with kyle's feature interview with andy sice right after this Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math or science person. No excuses. No problem. It's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Helping people start an IT career is their thing. If you don't absolutely love what you do, go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You can start your new life as an information technology professional in as little as four months. Attend classes on campus or live online just two or three times a week to get what you'll need to start your new career. More than just a school, My Computer Career helps you get into the industry by working with hundreds of employers that hire their students. My Computer Career is nationally accredited and financial aid is available for those who qualify, including the GI Bill. Classes start soon, so go take the career evaluation now at mycomputercareer.edu. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Welcome back to Mainly Modifieds. And this week on Mainly Modifieds, we've got a very special guest with us. We've had a lot of special guests from drivers from the Wheel Modified Tour, SK Modifieds, Tour Type Modifieds, uh, over the first couple of weeks, uh, now 10 or 11 weeks of Mainly Modifieds. I want to welcome Andy Seiss to the program. Andy, thanks for taking some time to talk with us. Uh, you're a busy guy running the NASCAR Xfinity Series operation with Chris Auer down south. But I want to start uh, our conversation by tracing back to your roots up here in New England and New Hampshire specifically super modifieds modifieds cart racing what was it about those days in new hampshire that kind of set you up to go down south uh and have the success that you're having now yeah you know i was, I was very fortunate to grow up in a, a family of race fans and my dad raced snowmobiles and uh worked at places like middlesex performance that own championship super modifieds for drivers like bentley warren you know eddie west doug hebron that kind of thing and um you know just going to the races you know saturday afternoon after my dad's boat shop would shut down we every saturday pretty much look forward to going to star speedway and super modifieds ran there weekly and it was just a packed house and everybody knew was there and it was you know something i just wanted to be a part of it just idolized the super modified drivers um and, and and wanted to be you know on the other side of the fence and had had some go-karts to run around the neighborhood and, and some dirt bikes and things like that. Um, 
you know, my, my family wasn't the one that could go out and buy brand new dirt bikes or uh, go-karts, but my dad was always the hands-on guy that would find one with a blown-up motor and, and put pistons in it or things like that, so we never really went without. Um, and then, yeah, when I was 10 years old, we went and did a little test drive at Sugar Hill Speedway with their brand new class, the Tiger Sprints. It was the first year for it. Wade Gagner built cars and um, Archie Archibald, his wife Debbie, that owned the Sugar Hill Speedway. Just very inviting and, and made it easy for people like us to go go there and try it out. And um, you know, we bought our first Tiger Sprint and went racing for a few years. Kind of upped it to the the champ carts and junior champs and senior champs. Took us a while to actually hit victory lane, and once we did, things really clicked. Uh, and then, you know, kind of kind of my dream come true at the time was we were looking at all the different racing series, and probably went in a little bit over our head, but we got our ourselves a 350 super modified to run at Star Speedway. And between the connections my dad had with super modified people and, and stuff like that, it was going to be you know easier on our learning curve than than maybe getting into stock car stuff. That went really well. We we won in my fourth start ever, won Rookie of the Year. Had my car unloaded at, at Lee for the Oktoberfest, and uh, Modifieds were there kind of as an open show. And Gary Casella parked next to us, and, you know, just in conversation with him, they, they, didn't, they weren't sending people home. He had a second car at his house. If they brought it up, you know, I could run it and just start tail of the field. That went really well. We ended up buying the car off of him, and... Um, so that, that kind of, you know, changed the course of things more towards modifieds. It was always going to be super modifieds. And uh, the following year, we got hooked up with uh, Jerry Morello, who was a businessman out of Epping, New Hampshire, and had owned modifieds and Bush North cars. And, you know, that kind of started to at least take direction of my future. We kept the car at my house and... My dad was still the crew chief and, you know, we ran it out of there and ran a few years, won the new Smyrna championship when I was only 18. Um, a lot of, you know, MRS and open races and in New England, traveled to Nashville, Tennessee with our, with, with our number 70 there and I uh, ended up winning the race. And, and that kind of pointed me in the direction to, to meet the Riggs family. They were splitting ways with their championship driver, Junior Miller. Um, you know, got hooked up with them, came close to the championship a few times, won a lot of races, made really good friends with the whole Riggs bunch, and, you know, they've become family. And when we got hooked up with Eddie Harvey later on after the passing of Jeff Riggs unexpectedly that, that shut the team down, um, we all kind of formed up with Eddie Harvey. And obviously that was kind of instant success and in winning races and, and eventually the two championships, a couple north-south shootouts. You know, life was good. Life was good. And I moved down to North Carolina to get closer to the team and in the shop. And that paid off. That's kind of went, you know, we went from like a third place team to, to winning the championships. Um, you know, and just the people I've met along the way, you know, this is such a, a relationship sport. And I got a job working at the Raymond Racing Engine Shop because they were Eddie's engine supplier. And then I meet. Brian Doza, who's just one of the most fantastic people you'd, you'd ever meet in racing, and started building his modifieds and eventually ARCA cars and kind of got us going with the ARCA thing. 
Um, you know, in the modified pits, I, I always stayed in touch with Chris Hour. And when they attempted their, their ARCA debut at Daytona, you know, we stayed in touch. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny. A lot of people don't like to talk about the negative stuff in their, in their sports or in their lives and all that. But we both didn't make the race at Daytona. And that kind of actually springboarded our career that we would get together later because of we both were obsessed with Daytona. It was something that we wanted to do. And I mean, when every time we go back, I think it it's that much more important because of that first, you know, quote unquote failure, you, you know, it, it was just a, it was a learning experience and we've, we've learned every time we've gone there and got better. So, you know, that led to, to me racing with Chris Hour and he had one car and, uh, at the time, he had one car and no motor. I actually called him to buy the car. Didn't have any money to buy the car and had a scheme in my head that I was going to tell him if he left his name on the hood of the car and I'd put his name on the modified to give me the car. Because at the time, he sold his modified, all his cars, his trailer, everything. The only thing he had was this car sitting in a storage container. And by the end of our conversation... Uh, you know, he's, let's look for a motor. He wanted to go race and he still had that desire. And we had one car, we got one motor when Ark had switched to the Ilmore motor, which was what we were lacking when we didn't get in the race. And we went racing at Talladega just out of the shop at my house. And, you know, it's, it, it served us well over the years and we've grown the team. We've, we've grown it to a bigger shop now and then all of a sudden Chris calls me one day he goes what do you think of the Xfinity series I said well what do you mean there were motors and schedule this or that we get to talking he said would you would you continue to you know run the team I said sure I'd be up for that challenge it'd be new new to me and he said good because I just bought four cars <laughs> so that's kind of bringing us to where we're at now it's been a busy past six months since kind of making that decision um you know, hiring some people, expanding the shop, just streamlining processes and parts and, and different things in the shop. And, uh, you know, we went on the road. We did Daytona and the West Coast Swing. We were basically gone for a month and came home, got ready for Atlanta when when the plug got pulled for the COVID-19 stuff. And, and we kind of had to hunker down. And um, it, it's been it's been good for us overall. It's you know, we, we've been able to just get back and kind of focus on what we need attention, get all the cars ready, get them ready for this moment now that we're going back racing. And I think the time off, while it wasn't ideal uh, for a small team like us, we're going to be better than when we left yeah. uh, Atlanta, yeah. where, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of neat to say this, but we are racing against Joe Gibbs, JR Motorsports, and Penske. And they're not going to get better. And I don't mean that in any bad way. They're just already the best that they can be. So for a team like us kind of on their heels before we went away, we're really excited to get back to the racetrack and, and try to start start knocking on their back bumper. Yeah, and then you're going to get the chance to do that. Uh, thank the Lord we're going to see some racing uh, here in the next couple weeks. I want to trace back for a second uh, to your time with Eddie Harvey. I know you're with the Riggs family. You mentioned how he, they became family. Eddie's become family. I know you know these people are still family to you. Um, but the end of the NASCAR Wheel and Modify, a Southern Modified Tour, it's kind of bittersweet, I guess, to know that uh, you were up there winning championships. You finished top five in the championship for a good eight, nine years in a row. How bittersweet was that moment, though? And where did that end of the Southern Tour kind of 
help you to set yourself up for the future that you've gotten to now, knowing you lost that opportunity to continue to compete down south strictly because there was no tour left there, and now you ended up in a different path that seems to have worked out well. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny how that works out. Obviously, if I didn't have these other opportunities, it'd probably be harder. So for the guys that, you know, were, were all in on modifieds and wanted to do it, you know, full bore for another decade or two. I mean, it was a tough deal down here. Um, I'm very fortunate that I, I had other things to, you know, focus on. And I'm a very goal-oriented person. And kind of funny, people thought looked at me like I had three heads when I would say things like, I just wanted that one championship. I mean, I wanted to be at a head table. I wanted to be on that stage at the NASCAR banquet because, I mean, they do it right. When you win that championship, they treat you like a king, and it, there's no better feeling. So I always said I only needed to do it once. And it was kind of funny after leaving the championship uh, banquet in 14, I actually tried to get Eddie to start traveling more up north. And, you know, the stars didn't align. Eddie actually was going through some health issues and treatments in 2015. So we had to focus more on the local stuff, which is, you know, that's just real life. That happens. And the crazy thing about 2015 that people don't know with everything going on with Eddie, we didn't go to the racetrack one time other than to race. We didn't test that year. We didn't shake down. We didn't do anything. There wasn't a whole lot of spare time. Uh, in, in Eddie's life with everything going on. So the 2015 championship, we had some more bad luck than 14 and, you know, that put us behind. So that was a, it was a tough year and, and it was kind of funny cause it was like, well, let's just see what we could do. Cause if we had to pull back the season, we didn't know what was going to happen, right. um, with, with health things and just kind of focusing on that. So, I mean, that, that championship was a huge bonus. And then 2016, we switched chassis manufacturers, which threw us for a little bit of a loop. You know, we, we still finished third in the championship, but not quite the years we had before. And when that news came out, um, you know, I guess you, I'll definitely say you don't know what you have till it's gone. Yeah. And we, there was a little family and, and people you saw all the time. And that's, it's disappointing. And, you know, it's a little bit hard because that was the only reason that say those certain friends got together. Yeah. So when you're not seeing those people, it's tough. Um, we, we did as much as we could in the Northern tour in 2017 when they combined the two, you know, we started off the year well with a, with a good run at Myrtle beach, finished third. We were running good at Thompson, um, got caught in a wreck late in the race and some, some repeated bad luck put us behind. Um, then we were just uh, kind of different directions going in. Obviously, I had this other stuff going on, and Eddie Harvey and I decided to, to go separate ways. But, I mean, the next day I could have called him up and asked him for the shirt off his back. I know he'd give it to me. And, and that's one of the things I'm most proud of is to this day. We still help each other out and talk all the time. And when new news comes out or rules, you, you know, I mean, he's one of the first phone calls we, we, we talk to each other. So definitely a relationship um, I'm not only proud of, but I, I treasure pretty, 
pretty serious. Yeah, so we talk about community. Uh, we talk about how you, you grew up up north, went down south. I mean, do you really feel like you had the right chance on the Wheel Modified Tour that runs up here to really make a, a full impact on, on what you could do on that level? I mean, the tracks are different. You ran at places like Caraway down south constantly. Up north, we run at places like Stafford Thompson, which I know you've driven at before. Uh, but do you feel like you had the, the right path there to make a major impact? Or is there anything you would have done differently on the north to try to get a better opportunity to, to showcase your talent, at least up here on that Modified Tour level? You know, I, I get that question a lot and maybe even a little criticism as to why I've never done that. I don't have actually a, a whole lot of races on the Northern Tour. I never never actually ran for points. We kind of had to pick or choose. Um, and a lot of that comes down to, A, the right opportunity or, B, the funding with, with our own car. You, you know, um, my parents have been incredible throughout my whole career and, and sacrificed to give me absolutely the best that they could possibly provide. But that Northern Tour is a tough animal. It's not just about, you know, having a car and having a motor. It's you got to have great guys that are practicing going over the wall. You know, there's a lot of days away from home, a lot of sacrifice. And so, no, we never really had that opportunity. And when I started running down south, a lot of it was with our own car. Me and my dad could leave Friday after work with two other guys. If you had a spotter and two guys in the pits, you could do that. So that was kind of helped us with our own car. And then that's what led the opportunities with with Riggs and Eddie Harvey. And, you know, I always told people, I mean, Riggs were a two-time champion in the series already, in our girl championship. Eddie Harvey's, you know, and, and his family record speaks for itself. I mean, wins all up and down the East Coast, beautiful, beautiful equipment, no matter what year you're talking. I mean, just great stuff. So my phone never rang by somebody like Ken Massa or Ed Partridge or Mike Smeriglio, you know, stuff like that. So I didn't have that opportunity. It's just that's the reality of the sport is they didn't have the opportunity there. So I chased the opportunities I did have. And at the time, driving for Riggs Racing was a no-brainer. I mean, it didn't. I wasn't going to go and try to drive my parents into poverty or, or do this other thing to run 15th when I can win championships, you know, in great equipment. And when we showed up at places like Martinsville with Riggs or Eddie's car or Loudon or Thompson, I mean, we were good. I mean, Ed, me and Eddie got a bunch of top fives on the, on the tour at, um, like I said, Myrtle Beach at, at Loudon, we finished top five. Thompson, we've got the win for the Southern Tour, all these different things. Um, I think we showed we, we could belong, and Eddie's doing a great job with his car right now. You know, the more experience that he's gaining up there, it just wasn't. I've never had that opportunity when I said, okay, I need to stop what I'm doing and drive for this person because this is a great opportunity on, you know, the Northern Tour. Yeah, and that set you up uh, to, to move down south, be prepared, be successful. Uh, down there. Before I finish touching on the Xfinity, uh, before we let you go, I do want to ask about Doug Kobe. Uh, and, you, and you've raced with him a lot before as a guy that grew up in the grassroots modified community. What level of appreciation, uh, first of all, do you have for what he's been able to do, winning all these championships and dominating in a short period of time, but also... Now, I guess, in a sense, similar to what you've kind of done with your family operation, kind of watching your own stuff and doing it in-house, but now watching what he's done uh, after Smigliel retired and now kind of watching his own operation, is there a level of respect, appreciation there that you have for him uh, together? Oh, absolutely. 
absolutely. I mean, and, you know, I'll say one thing. It's kind of funny. I see people, you know, on social media and different things when you're talking about your favorite drivers and or who would you put in a car right now and, and, and people making comments that all the you know, best race car drivers are retired or passed away, Yeah, you know, and, and that's a shame because what people just watched the last decade with Doug Kobe, with Wayne Darling's team and also Mike Smirglio is absolutely history. I mean, Doug Kobe is the greatest modified driver of our era. That team, you know, they had everything going. So I have no problem saying that. And what makes it great was I got to go wheel to wheel with him on several occasions, yeah. you know, I got to race hard against uh, what I consider the greatest of our generation. So anybody that discounts Doug Kobe, you know, is, is just got it wrong and, and needs to needs to appreciate what they're watching before it's gone. And they're not happy with the drivers 20 years from now and wish they were watching guys like Doug Kobe. Yeah. yeah. Um, what he's doing now, you know, my hat's off to him. It's a tough deal. You, you know, he's, he's not starting from the bottom as a young rookie driver assembling his own team. So he's got people that want to be a part of it, crew members, sponsors, things like that. But at the same time, it, it's a little bit different when you're driving your own equipment, you know, and um, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, I wish, I wish the best of luck to them and uh, Phil and, and Phil's been very good to me and any questions I've had throughout my career. And really that, 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 that whole team's classy people. And, you know, that's why good things happen to them. I, I really believe that good things happen to good people and they're no exception. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this year goes. I don't expect there to be any different. You've got great equipment. You've got a great driver, great crew chief, great crew. So, there's just a n- different number on the side, and we'll see, I guess, who's writing the checks and paying the bills if the, that shouldn't really affect too much. Yeah, so we'll we'll get back to the uh, the modifieds wondering what you're going to do, if you're going to do anything in, in your busy schedule going forward. Uh, but a couple questions about the Xfinity team. A couple fans sent in some information uh, they were wanting to know. First of all, are you planning on driving the car at all in 2020? I know there was some talk at the beginning that you were going to run some races, but you've got Brett Moffitt sitting in the seat at the first couple races and done pretty well. So where where are the driving uh, positions going to be, I guess, once we get back underway? Well, it's an unfortunate set of circumstances um, the last few months because I was actually in for Miami. So Miami, I was, what, eight, eight days away from making my debut when all this came on and they shuffled the schedule. You know, we actually even had plane tickets for my wife and kids and my family and it was going to be a great weekend down there. Then all of a sudden it gets stopped. So unfortunately, that's put the brakes on it. The next thing is the schedules that are coming out right now is limiting practice in different things. Yeah. So it's kind of put an emphasis on just experience. And, and the truth is I do not have an Xfinity car start. I don't have any experience at Darlington. We looked at Charlotte, you know, as a, as a potential baby. But the truth is my number one hat is to make this team survive. Yeah. You know, I'll just go with selfishly. I have to keep this team alive so I can drive more in the future. Yeah. Because I, again, like I, talked about Brian Doze. I mean, Chris Hours, just one of the most sincere, nice people, and I'm so thankful he's in my life. If I stomp my feet and said, Chris, I'm we're, I'm driving, that's it, or else I'm gone, he would do it for me. I, I truly believe that. But we'd probably be out of business in, in a few months because, you know, 
A, I don't have the experience, um, you know, on these tracks. And, and C, what we tried to do with Brett is take out the learning curve of the driver. So we have a learning curve as a team, as an organization. And so we have that. Well, I didn't want to be the one, you know, in the car so I can't help with other things going on. Right now, it's kind of funny. People ask me, what do you do? And I, I couldn't even put a word on what I do day to day. I'm not the front end mechanic. I'm not a car chief. I'm not a crew chief, I'm not the underneath guy. I'm not the tire guy. But that doesn't mean that my days aren't filled with just putting out fires and okay, how do we how do we do this, set up this, think ahead on that. So we're getting to that point where I, I'm feeling comfortable about the way the team runs. And the next thing is, you know, I'd be lying if uh, my head hasn't been absolutely just buried in the sand and focused of, of all other things in life and focused on growing this team. Yeah. Um, we took Thanksgiving off and from Thanksgiving until I think it was the Wednesday after the Vegas race, we were out West. I took two days off. So I took Christmas day off and one other day, my wife had a work thing. I worked, uh, I watched the kids on Saturday uh, we actually sold our Troyer Modified, which set us up to buying a new LFR chassis, new to us, used LFR chassis. And, um, I mean, that's including we went Daytona testing, and we went back here. And we went Daytona ARCA racing with two cars and came back and got ready for Daytona. When we left for Daytona, the Xfinity, we had three cars ready, a Speedway car and two mile-and-a-half cars. We had a separate trailer down in Daytona in the parking lot of Home Depot after the race. We swapped out our primary Speedway car with our primary Vegas car and came back, worked right through the week, even though the hauler was headed west, got on a plane Wednesday and flew out to Vegas, parked the hauler and, and worked on some things. And it's just been on and on and on since then. Uh, so out Wednesday at Vegas was the first day off. So that was late February, if not March, and um, since Thanksgiving. So I got I to gotta get my driver back on. I got to get my head right. I got to get back, lose some weight, and, uh, you know, so I can do the best job I can when I get behind the seat of that car. Uh, I finally got my iRacing rig set up. I've been doing, you know, some Xfinity car at the tracks coming up, and, and you know, I've got help from people in that but yeah i kind of gotta gotta get back on that horse as, as a driver and focus on that so when we get that opportunity i can make the most of it yeah andy was in a controversial finish um at the stafford i race which we'll talk about on our episode here in a bit he wasn't involved in the controversial finish but he was in the back uh of the picture probably 10th or 12th um when i got into the back of brian arducci um and caused a complete scene on social media over the last couple of days um so anyway uh two more questions for you andy first is there any plan to drive any modified at all in 2020 i know the schedule is going to be jam-packed even more so than it was going to be uh because of the COVID shutdown but is there any plan that you'd like to see yourself in a modified this year at all yeah you know like i said um probably got one of the best cars we've ever personally had we sold our troyer modified and acquired a used lfr chassis and uh the plan was to be at martinsville you know this this weekend and as that that looked like it wasn't going to happen we kind of throttled back on finishing the car you know if we had to it'd be done but just money and time wise we can't say that we're sitting there waiting 
for it to happen. But just races I knew I could have worked with with the Xfinity Series was going to be uh, Martinsville, Loudoun, and Iowa. So we're kind of looking to see where these schedules go, and hopefully uh, we can make a few. It's, it's going to be just interesting. You know, I know we're going to be at Darlington uh, in nine days, and I know we're going to be at Charlotte six days after that. But beyond that, you know, there's it's kind of open. I know they're working hard on getting the schedules and, and different things. So uh, I'd love to be racing the modified, you know, and is, is Xfinity is, is amazing, but obviously the modifieds is, come on, let's go, let's have some fun, pressure off, no points, stuff like that. So it's always fun racing with, with my dad, and, you know, uh, we'll get the, the guys back together that, that we all did this for the love of it and have some fun. I'd be remiss uh, as we tape this part of the podcast on Mother's Day uh, to not ask you about mom and how and how she's helped you guide along the way, not just in racing but in life in general. Uh, and I know she's been a, a major, 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 major player, uh, not only in support but help uh, and everything else she's done for you to get you where you are now. Uh, uh, down south successful so so what is it about mom uh that kind of sticks out about how she's supported you through this racing journey uh just everything every absolute sacrifice you could make she's done and been there from the beginning and probably you know never missed a go-kart race even when my dad would, would have to for work you know she came and made sure that i uh, had everything i needed probably the the biggest you know Visual sacrifice. Uh, Speed fifty one ran a story. It was probably about ten years ago, maybe more now. Um, my dad had some money aside for their twenty fifth wedding anniversary, but we needed a set of headers, and he kind of brought that to her attention. And she said, "Well, just get the headers." So you know, he didn't have any money for her twenty fifth wedding anniversary gift. And that's when we went down to New Smyrna and won the championship with those headers. So it was kind of the connection of where that was about the first year I had the motor, the headers, you know, the carburetor, everything that we really needed or we thought we needed to be competitive and it, and it paid off. And we came back from New Smyrna uh, with the winnings and we, we threw her a 25th wedding anniversary party like, you know, like she deserved. And uh, I mean, that's just one small story of what she's done. I mean, countless amount of meals at the track, off the track, running around. I mean, she's done the trip to North Carolina to get a motor by herself and, and back to, to New Hampshire um, when Joey Caracci was building their motors. I mean, she's she's a racing mom, super competitive. You know, she's, she's written the checks on Friday knowing that they weren't covered on Monday unless we pulled off a miracle and, and all that. And, um, you know, between her and, and now my wife, Jen, you know, I mean, when we started this racing thing, just my girlfriend, but now that we're married and have kids, I mean, she does the whole, uh, basically single motherhood thing as, as we're racing, you know, she's taken on the, the motherhood role. Amazing. And that's, and it, unfortunately, if you're in this racing thing, that's, that's how it is. You know, we're kind of selfish with our time, but she's competitive too. So she uh, doesn't want me home if the car is not 100% or not running well. So, you know, very thankful for, for those two women in my life. And, you know, it, it, anybody knows basically behind any kind of guy with any success or trying to make anything happen is a, a supportive woman. So 
like I said, I'm, I'm lucky to be married to one and raised by one. And I always say all the time, any female that's involved in racing uh, is the best female. Uh, and with that, Andy, want to thank you so, so much uh, for taking a good chunk of time with us on Mother's Day. Uh, when you're busy, trying to get back going with the Xfinity car. Really appreciate it. Uh, look forward to talking again soon, and we wish you the best of luck once you get back to the track here in just a couple weeks. Thank you for having me. That's been Andy Sice. When we come back from the break, we're going to discuss that iRace uh, that I talked about. We didn't get Andy's opinion on it. Uh, he may have one. Uh, but with that, we will be back uh, here in a bit on Manly Modifieds. Everyone knows Strutmasters is the suspension experts for luxury vehicles. And now we offer motorcycle products. Introducing Easy Rider, complete motorcycle air suspension brought to you by Strutmasters.com. You can raise and lower your bike with the flip of a switch. Take those long rides with the ultimate comfort of Easy Rider air shocks. They're backed by Strutmasters, and you won't believe the low price. Check out Easy Rider motorcycle air suspension at Strutmasters.com. Welcome back to Mainly Modifieds as uh, we finish up the interview with uh, Andy Sice and uh, Kyle Souza has joined us for the balance of the podcast now. And first of all, Kyle, uh, I've always said that Andy Sice is one of my favorite guests. We've had him on our uh, Race Chaser shows a ton of times. And, and um, every time I have him on, I'm reminded, number one, what a fantastic speaker and conversationalist he is number two what a true gentleman he is uh and number three that he is the ultimate definition of humble and that really i think those three uh character traits in combination with obviously the talent to drive a race car really fast and win races uh, all combine for the, these are the reasons why he's where he is and why he's had the people around him and the support. Uh, that was a fantastic interview and it was fun to, um, hear him go all the way back to the beginning and talk about his days in the 350 super as well, because, uh, I had actually forgotten that that's where he started. Um, and you know, he's just really, he's had a very blessed career. I mean, he, you know, in my opinion, you can, as he said, you know, you can always second guess. And, you know, the the great thing about Monday morning quarterbacking is that you always throw a touchdown. Um, but, uh, boy, Andy, Andy has just done really well for himself, and uh, he's just a great guy to talk to. Yeah, always great to catch up with Andy, and you're right. Uh, you know, I sat here for the interview, had a list of questions, uh, bullet points that I wanted to cover with him about, you know, ranging from his modified days up to his ARCA and now his Xfinity operation. Uh, but then we started talking and things start, you know, straying in a different direction. And you realize <laughs> that there was other things that you probably could talk about um, that you didn't know about. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, always good to catch up with him. Uh, good to hear he's doing well, especially in the middle of the COVID pandemic that we're Absolutely. dealing with. Is, is, you know, yep. somewhat starts to slow down. Um, his ride through the ranks, rise through the ranks, a little bit interesting, though. Of course, starting up here in New Hampshire. Super modified, modified days, all the way back to the carts. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, you know Eddie Harvey pretty well. His tenure with Eddie Harvey really stands out to me as part of his modified tenure, uh, maybe the biggest part, just because of the success they had, the partnership they had, and the fact that Eddie Harvey is, is such an easy guy to get along with. Uh, and they seem to really merge together well. And as a guy that 
lives down there, you get to see their success in that wheel and so the modified tour before yeah, yeah. Uh, it became defunct. Well, and see here again, you said it right. These are two guys that are very, you know, easy to talk to and easy to work with. And here's the thing. I think in addition to everything I said about Andy, when we started the segment, his work ethic is the other piece to this. He's not afraid to work his ass off. I mean, and that's, you know, that's the kind of a guy that you want leading your organization because he becomes a great example for everybody else. And he infects everybody with that enthusiasm, um, which by the way, translates to infected by the God, um, which, which makes it a great word for him because he is really, um, just always fired up to do the next thing that needs to be done on the list, no matter what it is. And, you know, he and Eddie had tremendous success together and they were fun to watch. I mean, they, they did it. They did it the right way. Eddie didn't, you know, he, he doesn't have the most money of anybody in the modified ranks. He just was able between him and Andy, they spent the money that they had in the right places and Andy got it done on the racetrack. And, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, his his time with Brian Doza running his car, um, you know, and then uh, again, um, when you look at, uh, you know, Andy Jankowiak, it's it's almost a mirror image um, of of the way that Andy Sice has has kind of elevated himself. They were willing to do the hard work to start at the bottom and work their way up. There are other people who aren't willing to do that. They either want to go win right away or not bother. And neither way is wrong. It just depends upon who you are and what your goals are. And, you know, again, just uh, it, it was amazing to see. Um, it's been amazing to see Andy's uh, rise, it, you know, even from Arca to, to where he and Chris Hauer are now. Um, and again, they're doing it the blue collar way. And I think that's why everybody respects them so much. And, uh, you know, Andy's the, the perfect person to lead that organization right now, whether he gets in the driver's seat this year or not, he's the perfect guy to lead the organization because he's got the right character, the right attitude, the right work ethic. And again, you know, that spreads and, and once the whole team is working in that mode, um, that's why that car with far less resources than the top dogs it's racing against is able to nip at their heels the way they were at the start of the season. And they've got a great driver in Brett Moffitt, who is championship caliber, obviously. And so that package is, is why they're where they are. And I, and they're real easy to cheer for because of that. Yeah. And he's going to be uh, back on the track. I, I can't believe I'm finally saying that. Feels yeah. Like it's been forever. <laughs> Uh, Hallelujah. Like a race car turn a lap uh, in real life. Obviously, we had a couple dirt tracks and asphalt tracks uh, down yeah. your end in Midwest. Also, uh, that did open for some race events over the last couple of weeks. But so happy to see NASCAR returning uh, yep. here in just a couple days, actually, as we record this uh, about five or six days before the return of the Cup Series. Andy, obviously, returning to Darlington. Uh, it'll be his first stint there as a managing partner of an Xfinity race team. Uh, and for his sake... You heard in that interview, Tom, talking about the future of when he's going to be behind the wheel. We know when he announced this deal, he mentioned he'd be behind the wheel at some point. Not Darlington, not going to be the place, though, especially no. with no practice. Uh, and, you know, these guys just showing up and going right racing. Darlington, not going to be the place. Hopefully, Charlotte, uh, you heard him talk about how that would be a possibility. Uh, but until he can get some concrete 
seat time uh, with a little bit of practice at least. You may not see Andy drive the car just strictly because he doesn't have any Xfinity car experience. He did make a cup start uh, last year, obviously, and uh, ran pretty well for Rick Ware Racing uh, in the equipment he had. So good to talk to him, good to catch up. Looking forward to seeing uh, him return to the track uh, with his NASCAR Xfinity Series operation as the managing partner. Uh, him and Chris Auer, a good pair. Him and Eddie Harvey, a good pair. Him and the Riggs family, a good pair. Him and his own family, uh, a good pair. Everybody, uh, really a pleasure to work with Andy uh, and good to talk to him again and hoping uh, he remains safe. And he, Tom, has also mentioned in that interview that he is like me and like a lot of other drivers in the racing community now and has purchased his very own iRacing rig uh, <laughs> and has been taking some laps in the Xfinity car at some of these upcoming tracks. We talked about it a lot. We'll shift gears to iRacing in a moment, but this is a great opportunity for somebody like him that's got no laps in an Xfinity car to at least get on there and get some of his feet wet uh, before he has to go at high speed in real life. And difference on iRacing, if you crash, you hold the button, you have a new car. <laughs> the difference yes. in real life, if you crash, you're basically, you know, you're wadded up and you've got a lot of money and a lot of time and work ahead of you. Well, I think the uh, the the big thing that I see with with Andy with with the whole iRacing deal and um, is it'll it'll at least give him a chance to get some sort of a mental picture and get the line down and and start to learn. Um, you know, you don't get any obviously unless you have one of those fifty thousand dollar you know hydraulic things. You don't you don't get the physical movement necessarily, but you you can certainly get. Um, the mental information, you know, where to get on and off and, and all of that and get the line down uh, for some of these tracks. Um, but again, I come back to the fact that another character trait, he's so unselfish. As he said, if I just, you know, stop my feet and, you know, force my hand, then Chris would probably let me drive. But it, it, at the end of the day, in this situation where you have to go out and be able to race the car and finish well with zero practice and zero qualifying, um, that's not a good situation for Andy to start his Xfinity career in, at least until you get maybe to a track like, you know, Martinsville or Bristol or, you know, one of those tracks where maybe he's more familiar um, and can sort of, uh, use his instinct um, more so than experience. You know, it's it's just um, it's a tough situation, but he's willing to be patient. He is a team player here and, and always has been, and that's why you just named off the list of people who are good partners for him. Well, that's why they were there, because of who Andy is and how Andy is. And, you know, he's now in a situation where here again, he could be fighting for seat time and he's not because he understands that the best thing for the long term success of the team is to have somebody like a Moffat who's got the experience, who can help the team to get up to speed, literally. And then when Andy is able to get in the car in a situation where he can have practice and go through a normal weekend or whatever, um, or at least where he's at a short track, and like I said, you know, instinct could take over a little bit, um, then, you know, he's he's going to do what he's doing. So I think it's – the story of that team is phenomenal. And uh, what they accomplished the first couple weeks out before we shut down here was was way beyond anything anyone could have expected, I think. And, and you know, you can say, well, that's Brett Moffitt, but it takes – a whole unit working together and 
Andy Sice is sort of the focal point of that unit for Chris Auer. He's kind of the quarterback, you know, of that, that unit and uh, or the coach, I guess you could say. And, you know, Brett Moffitt certainly has been a good quarterback uh, on the field and made the right calls during the races for the most part to get that team um, running up where they were right out of the box. Yeah, uh, and like I said, they're going to be back on the track uh, and hoping that he can get back behind the wheel or something. He did mention in there he would like to drive a modified in 2020. Has I hope he started can. Really, yeah, he had planned to run at Martinsville, uh, and obviously Martinsville didn't happen. Uh, so we'll see how that tenure uh, continues for him and looking forward to seeing what happens uh, with a lot of these racetracks, not only in the cup level but the short tracks. We'll get to some of the short track updates here in New England. Why don't we do that before we get to yeah, iRacing? let's do that. Uh, Let's talk about what updates we have, and I, I say that because there are very few. Uh, things kind of still in limbo up here in the region. Uh, Modified-wise, of course, the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour, uh, all their races basically postponed until further notice at this point. They've got a lot of races that have been postponed. As of this taping, June 6th at Seekonk is still on as scheduled. However, I don't expect that to happen. Uh, that announcement uh, looming, uh, whether whatever they're going to do with that race, the announcement's looming uh, here over the next week or so, whether they're going to be able to run that race or not. So look for that. Right. Uh, NASCAR's Wheel Modified Tour, You've met, we mentioned last week uh, that they had been going to Jennerstown on May 23rd. That had been postponed. I've just gotten an email uh, from the t- town operator, not the town operators, the track operators <laughs> at Jennerstown who have cleared with the town that they can begin racing uh, regular operations on June the 6th. Oh, great. Uh, so they're going to go back racing on June the 6th. Now, it's not clear as of this email that literally just dropped in my inbox if they're going to have fans or not. Uh, and the email also does not mention anything about the NASCAR Wheel and Modified Tour at this point. Uh, but they have kind of released a little bit of a mock uh, schedule that they plan on going with, and they plan on beginning that on June the 6th. Uh, with opening night, five-division program. They're going to run the 13th, the 20th, and the 27th. That's what they've released so far. Uh, They are going to close the spectators for the practice days at this point. They're going to have some private track rentals beginning on May the 16th. uh, Excuse me, May the 23rd. So they're going to wait another week or so uh, and see how far they go. And everybody's got to pre-register. And I think that's the future of what we're going to see uh, here in the near future. So good to see Jennerstown going back racing in June. As far as some of these other Northeast tracks, Tom, still in limbo. Connecticut's Thompson and Stafford, unsure where they're going to fit in the phased reopening that's scheduled to start on May the 20th. Seekonk, still under stay-at-home advisory here in Massachusetts, as is Connecticut. So unclear what the phased approach is going to be like in Massachusetts and when it begins. As soon as we have more updates, we'll give it to you in New Hampshire. Very interesting situation going on up there. One of the tracks, Speedway 51, has been cleared by his local town to run practice sessions, and he's been running them uh, over the last couple of weekends. He is actually going to continue to do that and is hoping to go racing uh, in the near future. Other tracks in New Hampshire, Monadnock, Claremont, Star Speedway, waiting for something to happen. They've tried to go to the town. Towns are a little hesitant on it. The state has given no guidance to racetracks uh, in that region. And with New Hampshire housing five to six racetracks, uh, it's kind of surprising to me that it hasn't come across the governor's desk enough for him to make a stance uh, and make a decision. These racetrack uh, promoters are very passionate. Uh, They want to get back to racing. uh, But at this point, it's just still in limbo. And it's uh, now approaching the middle of May, and it seems more and more to me like the more we wait, uh, the more of a chance that our race season is going to be shortened. It obviously yeah. is. Uh, but whatever we can get, I think, 
uh, we may as well take at this point. Well, you kind of have to, and and I had a chance to talk uh, at some length with Bobby Weber last week uh, from Star, and that's exactly what he said. Right now, they're just waiting for somebody to tell them something, basically. There's just not, uh, you know, when I look at that situation and, and look at Massachusetts, Connecticut, and you know, even up in Maine, I mean, I, I continue to be completely perplexed why the state of Maine is is locked down um, as it is, given the very few number of actual uh, cases right now. And, and the, but, you know, this seems to be a pattern. Um, and gosh, I, I just hope that uh, I hope everybody can get going soon. I mean, I did, I, I spent some time uh, with Kenny Shepard. We actually had him as a guest on our lead lap show last week, and uh, I put um, the first segment from that interview on the Inside Groove Super Modified podcast um, that uh, is out currently. Uh, if you go to the Inside Groove podcast uh, Facebook page, it's there, um, and and had a chance to talk with him, and he's. You know, he's found a way out there in California to work with his local officials and his legal team to, um, you know, to make some changes to how the racetrack is designated and, and therefore how they can proceed. And he's he's put a very interesting plan in place. Uh, you know, it's a five phase plan to to get back to, you know, to full racing uh, with with without fans first and then with fans eventually. Um, this is a hard thing right now. Short track racing it's different from NASCAR because obviously, you know, you don't have big TV packages that can, you know, support you or help support you while you don't have fans in the grandstand. It's a whole different uh, dynamic when you're a local short track and you're having to, you know, I'm sure in many cases, Kyle, and you can, you know, obviously speak to this in the areas you know about up there, but in many cases, I'm sure the local officials would would love to have the track back in action because obviously it, it produces, you know, income and a boon to the local economy to have fans coming in and out and teams coming in and out, staying in hotels and eating in restaurants and doing all those things. Um, but you're at the mercy of the state government. And there's, in some cases, it's just very frustrating because there's just, they don't seem willing to, uh, you know, to listen. They kind of have their own agenda. It seems like in some cases. Yeah, and that's going to be the uh, talk of the summer, I think. Hopefully not the summer, hopefully the late spring into the early summer. Uh, there are some tracks up here that I know have submitted plans uh, for reopening. There are some other tracks up here that are in the process of doing that. Uh, and we're now, again, just in wait-and-see mode. It's really going to depend on what the state wants uh, at all of the racetracks, not just Seacock, not just Stafford, not right. Thompson, not Manadnock. It, it's it's going to be everybody together. Um, New Hampshire in a position where, in my opinion, if one track opens, the rest of them should be able to open uh, unless there's a, a county issue uh, with a spike in cases. But looking forward to seeing what happens. I know some people at first a little bit concerned uh, that the race season might be canceled altogether. I don't. And I, I tell you this from sources and, and important people uh, in the governments, in the industries, public health that I've spoken to. The race season is not by any means going to be canceled no. at this point. Uh, there, there's going to be a race season in some form, whether it starts in June, July, August, whether there's fans in the stands or not. I can't tell you that right now. But the race season in New England is not going to be canceled completely. Um, it may start later. There are some tracks that are drawing up schedules that begin in August, uh, and that's a, a real possibility. So just going to continue to wait and see. 
see what the guidance is like from the states, uh, see what the guidance is like from the towns locally, uh, but promising this morning to see that email from Jennerstown uh, and know that at least one of these Northeast racetracks is going back racing. Uh, and there was some controversy uh, via some comments Jimmy Wilson made, uh, the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour director, saying they wanted to go back racing in June. That controversy appearing to kind of put the fire out. Now, if Jennerstown's going back racing in June, there's a possibility that the NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour uh, could hit that track at some point. So continue to follow that. Uh, continue to follow all the racetracks. My best opinion uh, for your listeners would be to follow the racetracks on Facebook during the week. Uh, a lot of them are posting constant updates about what they're hearing from the state. Uh, and we'll continue to update you next week as well uh, about how these racetracks roll. Tom, iRacing been the topic of our podcast here over the last month or so with the COVID-19 shutdown. Before we get to Stafford, we always start with Stafford. Let's start with Seekonk. Um, this past Thursday night, running the second race of their road trip tours, an eight-race series that spreads between April uh, into October. Ryan Kuhn picking up the win uh, in a, a really uneventful 150-lap race at the front of the field. Kuhn taking the lead early uh, and taking down the win, but a good battle throughout at a track that you're familiar with and a little bit different on iRacing, I'm sure, than it is at real life, but Southern National oh, yeah. Sports Park, yep. a racy track. Uh, and a track that put on a good show on Sweet 51 uh, for the Seekonk fans. Oh, I'm sure. And I, I have the feeling that um, everybody enjoyed racing there, sim, sim, the sim racing there, uh, because, yeah, the track is just a real racy track. It's a big, fast track. And, um, you know, to me, it's one of the most well-run facilities in the state of North Carolina. Obviously, this is sim racing, not rear racing, but I'm just explaining for the folks up there. Um, you know, Mike Diaz does an amazing job with that place and uh, is he's always been willing to do what it took um you know to to make things happen and make make things right as as best uh, that he can and so um anybody that um would ever get the chance to come down to North Carolina uh if you're looking for you know what short track do I go to well obviously um if you if you want to see entertainment go to uh Bowman Gray Stadium <laughs> and if but if you want to see some great racing uh on a big fast track uh definitely I think Southern National would be high on the list of tracks to to go see and uh that's cool that uh Seekonk's road trip, so to speak, their um, their iRacing road trip, virtual road trip, took them to uh, Southern National to to run on the track, and uh, I'm sure everybody had a good time with that. It was a fun time, uh, and you're talking to the race director, and I thought the race went pretty well. Oh, uh, well, overall. there you go. There you go. So thank you to the uh, drivers that have competed. Also want to thank Speed 51 from a track perspective for broadcasting, and a lot of contingency sponsors, Tom, more than $400 paid out. Uh, in contingency awards and finish prize money uh, for the top competitors and spread throughout the field. There are awards for heat race winners, awards for winners of the B main, drivers that lead the halfway lap, uh, 10th place finisher, some hard luck awards. There are a lot of different awards uh, set uh, for the future of that road trip tour. That road trip tour returning kind of quickly. Uh, it comes back on, tra- on track May 21, so just about a week and a half from now at the Irwindale Speedway out in California. Oh, nice. Uh, third race of that road trip. So another track that's <laughs> been around a long time and puts on a good show as well. You you almost, uh, everybody have, must have big virtual budgets to be virtually going cross-country like that. To, uh, to We are rolling from Seekonk, Massachusetts to Irwindale, <laughs> California, uh, coming up in just over a week's time. 
Uh, so looking forward uh, to that. I know we started the interview with Andy Sice. We talked about iRacing there in the middle. We heard that he's got a sim rig. I've got a sim rig. Andy was involved in the Stafford race this past Friday night. He qualified. I qualified. Another great show. want to thank the Stafford gang uh, for putting that on and keeping everybody entertained, just like similar to what Seacon's doing. Stafford, if we recap, has gone from SK Modifies to Street Stocks to Late Models, now to Tour Type Modifies, the real wheel and modified tour style modifies on iRacing. This past Friday night, no different. More than 50 cars virtually unloaded in the pit area uh, to compete. 26 started the race, and in the end, for the second time in the last three weeks, you are directly speaking to the winner of the iRacing event at Stafford, uh, presented by All Phases Renovation. A little bit of a controversial finish. Uh, I did get into the back of Brian Narducci. He did spin coming off turn four, race control deeming that it was a racing incident. Uh, so that race going to myself. Instead of talk about me, though, let's talk about the race in general. Yes, uh, Tom, please. this is a great mix. <laughs> Guys like Narducci... Mike Christopher, Teddy Hodgson, local Stafford guys, going against a media member myself, two Seekonk regular drivers were in the field, a mix of Stafford crew members that have worked their way into the field, a mix of Stafford spotters, a mix of employees in some cases. This is bringing the entire racing community and the Modifieds in New England together. Uh, and it's put the direct eye on guys like Teddy Hodgson, guys like Ted Chris, uh, not Ted Christopher, Mike Christopher Jr., guys like Brian Arducci that race in real life and race on iRacing and have somehow been able to intertwine having success uh, at both of them. Well, and this is, I, again, you know, the, it, we probably overdo it when we keep saying this every week, but or at least I do. But uh, the beauty of this technology, I mean, when I was growing up, I had Pong, you know, <laughs> which, by the way, was I thought that was great when, when we first got it. Um, but, you know, this technology really does allow for that. And no, it's not real racing. No, it's not supposed to be looked at as real racing. Yes, you should at least pretend to be serious and be trying to win and not just go crash the field to be a, a, a knucklehead. But but it's it's supposed to be fun and it's supposed to get the community together and I love the way that it it's kind of started with the NASCAR Pro Invitational Series and then really spread like wildfire to the point where it's almost too much to keep up with because everybody's doing one now. But that's that's awesome because even the Supermodifieds had one a couple of weeks ago that was on AsphaltVision.tv. They're going to do another one at the end of the month on the 31st. The Supermodified, they're on our factor. But again, same idea. You get drivers, you get other people from, you know, that are just, used to racing though that particular kind of car the super modified car in our factor and you know so it, it becomes something fun for the racing community to kind of gather around and do and you know have a little fun and make a little sport of each other or whatever while we're not able to race and so i think you know i think it's cool that especially Stafford. I mean, gosh, I was just looking at a, I saw a picture the other day somewhere on Facebook. Somebody had posted a picture of uh, Bentley Warren um, in the old Flying Five when he won, I think it was 1980, he won a super modified race at Stafford. And I started to think back at all of the names, all of the legends that have graced that racetrack at one time or another. My gosh. I mean, um, so yeah, that's fun. I, I think, 
what you guys are doing with both of those tracks, Stafford and Seekonk, I love that Seekonk kind of has to go on the road because it's not on the series. So, you know, hey, we're going to run it over Dill. Um, you know, so because I'm sure 99% or maybe 100% of the people who race at Seekonk will never race at Irwindale in real life. Well, we're going to do it here, you know. Um, so in a sense, it is a bit of a, an opportunity to go try some other tracks that maybe you wouldn't otherwise. So I just think it's fun stuff, and I, I, I'm glad that uh, everybody is enjoying it so much and glad to see that so many people have been able to avail themselves of the technology to, to be able to have a good time like that. Yeah, and it's given everybody an opportunity uh, from drivers to fans to media to employees, uh, literally to the fans and to sit in the stands on a normal basis to watch uh, on Stafford's YouTube channel. They've been doing a great job uh, with that broadcast. You've yes. heard a familiar voice. Kyle Ricky's been on there yep. uh, from Motor Racing Network. Bonsa Tufa and Jeff McConey, two Stafford uh, regular announcers and video guys have been on there as well. A fun time, uh, not only for myself. I speak for myself in saying it's a fun time, but I know everybody that's involved uh, has had a phenomenal time uh, in doing that. This coming Friday night, which would be May the 16th, I believe, 15th or 16th, um, they're going to compete in an invitational-style event. It's not open to anybody. They are inviting drivers to compete on Friday night uh, as part of an 80-lap modified special. I'm not sure who exactly or what criteria they're using for that. Um, I know that I would assume that guys like Narducci, Mike Christopher, uh, myself, guys that have been to Victory Lane on the iRacing Road Trip Tour, I'm sure are going to be uh, on that uh, track this coming Friday night. But keep tuned to their Facebook, their YouTube. I say it every week, but their uh, YouTube's got some phenomenal videos. I watched the Spring yeah. Sizzler from 1997 the other day. Um, so some good stuff on the Stafford YouTube channel, similar to Seekonk. Some of these racetracks taking advantage of the quarantine COVID shutdown uh, to go full force on their YouTube and get some races out there. Others kind of going quiet for a while, different style uh, from them. But on the iRacing front, that's really it. Nothing else going on on that front. Looking forward to seeing Seekonk back on the track May 21st and Stafford this coming Friday uh, with their invitational for the Modifieds. Other than that, Tom, kind of quiet. Yeah. Here in the New England region, obviously, uh, because of the COVID pandemic, looking forward to seeing what happens uh, in the near future and looking forward to catching up with everybody again next week uh, on what's going on in the racing community and with the latest updates and a new driver guest coming in for next week. Should be fun. Uh, I will add, too, that I just, uh, when we started talking about Jennerstown, I have a pretty good contact uh, and just heard, I sent him a text and just heard back and, and uh he basically suggested that because of the area of Pennsylvania that they're in being a much lower risk area, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why they've been able to do what they're going to do and uh, and get started. So I think that's great. Um, if you've never been to Jennerstown uh, and the modified tour goes there and you can get there, um, please go there. It's a great track. The folks that run it are it's 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 run top notch uh they'll put probably 7000 people in the grandstands um 6 7000 people for a show like that uh just a a great place to go and watch a race so um and uh uh if you're ever in that area it's a beautiful area of PA uh to to uh to be in as well so um with that yes uh, we'll bring this to a close uh thanks as always to uh my partner Kyle Souza for um making this show what it is helping to make it all happen and thanks to all of you that listen and share please keep doing it again we're not 
building our fame here. It's all about getting the information out, and uh, we're passionate about modifieds, and we want all the modified people to uh, know that the content's there, and hopefully sooner or later we'll be back at a racetrack in the 2020 season. Uh, for Kyle Souza, until next week, I am Tom Baker from, from Race Chaser Media. Thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to being back in one week's time with the latest What's Going On, mainly modifieds, but not exclusively. We'll, uh, we'll have more conversation next week. Have a great week, everybody. Stay safe, and for now, so long. You've been listening to mainly You've been listening to Mainly Modified, the show where ground pounders and northeast speed freaks come to get their radio fix on. The show is available on demand by searching Race Chaser Radio on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Music, and most other major podcast platforms. Visit RaceChaserMedia.com for more unique motorsports stories and radio content. And follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.